Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the worst nightmare that any community can face. And we are hurting And we are seething right now as a community. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Can We Please Talk podcast. I am Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Severi. On the program today, a recent uh, rash of mass shootings over the weekend. Nick and I with the latest from shootings that happened all across the country, it feels like, but specifically in Milwaukee, Buffalo, and in Orange County, California. Later on in the program, Natalie Fami, a reporter at WKBW ABC7 in Buffalo, she's going to join us on the podcast to go over the latest of what's happening with the Buffalo shooting. Uh, So Natalie, later on. And finally, the recent baby formula shortage happening in this country has led way to people not understanding why some kids rely on baby formula, you know, for uh, food. <laughs> oh, you mean what's her name's going to get that smoke tonight? <laughs> Nick and I with that uh, later on in the program. Uh, but first, I say hello to the wonderful Nick Saveri. Nick, I haven't seen you in a while, buddy. How is everything going on over there besides the craziness of what happened this weekend let's let's get to that in the in the first segment but besides the craziness of that how's everything in this very household no thing things are good i i i mean i as you said i'm, I'm stumbling because it's hard for me to separate that as you know as a person who lives in the suburbs um as a parent um it's hard to not see Easton, Pennsylvania as being all that different than, say, Buffalo or uh, Milwaukee um, or Orange County. You know, we see this often. Um, you know, we're going to go into a lot of data in this episode. But yeah, I mean, today, you know, with the recent shootings, we're up to well, 198, according to NPR, uh, for this year. That's 17 weeks into the year or something. Forget how many. Right. 19 weeks, I think. Um, that may not count today. <laughs> what happened in Orange County? So uh yeah 199 i guess but yeah, yeah it's hard for me to say good when we're in the midst of what feels as american as apple pie at this point you know it's funny we we um you and i text each other back and forth we figure out what we're going to talk about in terms of topics who we have coming on the program and then you know as i'm doing all this another shooting happens as we're taping this uh in orange county california we're going to get to that in a second but it's been crazy um i was recently traveling out to chicago um, speaking of gun violence, and we've seen the wave of gun violence that has happened in Chicago. But the, let's start in central to Chicago, a little bit uh, to the west of Chicago and Milwaukee, because that's where the first rash of shootings happened. And let's get into our first segment, Nick, because all of these shootings that happened over the weekend, if you haven't been keeping up with all of this, 
uh, let Nick and I give you some of the notes that happened over the weekend. So uh, the the Bucks played the Celtics uh, last week uh, in game six. And during that game and down the downtown entertainment district, uh, about 21 people were wounded and rocked from gun violence that happened in downtown Milwaukee after three shootings left those people wounded. 17 were shot in one incident. So the other two incidents the other four people were wounded. Uh, it was about 9.15 p.m. Just as the game was ending, a 16-year-old girl and two men ages 29 and 26 were shot near the corner of North Martin Luther King Drive and Highland Avenue. You know the famous Chris Rock joke about Martin Luther King Drive, unfortunately. Um, 19-year-old man was arrested in that one. Then about at 10.30 p.m., another shooting happened on Water Street near Highland Avenue. Um like I said, victims ranged in age from 15 to 47. All are expected to survive, thankfully, in some of these shootings that happened. But in total, 11 people ranging in age from 19 to 30, Nick, were arrested and 10 guns were recovered. OK, police said they believe there are more people involved in the shootings who have not yet been arrested. So this looks to be somewhat you know, related where like groups of people were arguing with groups of people. Uh, and that led to gun violence. Uh, very unfortunate. Thankful that a lot of people are alive from that and uh, hopefully will make full recoveries. Then Saturday, if you haven't been, if you've been living under a rock, Saturday at a Buffalo supermarket, uh, Tops up in Buffalo, New York, uh, a gunman went in to the supermarket, live streamed his shooting uh, on Twitch, killing 10 people, wounding three others in a predominantly black neighborhood in Buffalo. The suspect was identified as a rifle-toting 18-year-old from Conklin, New York, who allegedly wrote a white supremacist manifesto online. He traveled about 200 miles to the store. Like I mentioned, he live-streamed the attack on Twitter. Take a listen here to Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown uh, describing his feelings, his emotions, as his community is rocked by what happened on Saturday. This is unimaginable. I don't think... When you wake up in the morning on a beautiful day, sun shining, children riding bicycles, uh, playing little league uh, baseball, uh, people going about their business, you can't imagine something like this, this kind of horror, uh, this kind of tragedy taking place. 13 people shot in the supermarket, um, uh, shopping, working, uh, 10 dead, uh, and a shooter with body armor who didn't live in this community, who traveled from three hours away with the express purpose to kill people that he did not know in our community. So you heard the mayor there. Suspect was Peyton Gendron, I believe is how you say his name. He was he surrendered to police, which we're going to get into in a second, uh, because that's ridiculous how they get these guys <laughs> surrendering and, and no one shooting at them. It's, it's incredible. Um, he surrendered to police. He was taken into custody. He was charged with first degree murder. Prosecutor said he pleaded not guilty in court Saturday night. Uh, but you live streamed it. So you're probably guilty. Uh, Buffalo police are allowing uh, this one person uh, who worked as a security guard at the top supermarket. He was a former police officer actually in the town for about 30 years. And he went in and was shooting um, at the suspect. But like you heard the mayor say there, he was where the, the, the shooter was wearing some type of armor. So the bullets 
were kind of going off and 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 not really hitting this guy. And unfortunately, that security guard, who was a former police officer, was actually shot and killed. I want to play for you real quick, Nick, uh, an account from somebody who was, I believe, either outside the supermarket about to enter or had just left the supermarket. Um, But take a listen to this. It's pretty chilling. uh, The account from this person, this eyewitness that was on the local news up in Buffalo. And I heard a gunshot. And I looked up. I seen a whole bunch of smoke. And I see the guy in full army fatigue, just shooting, going from left to right, left to right, just shooting people. And I thought it was an act at first, because that just, that's nutty to see. And then I seen the security guy run inside, and then I seen a guy go in after him, shooting, and I heard 20 to 30 shots. And I'm like, oh, this is for real. And after a minute or two, I hear the echoes of shots inside. He comes out, he takes the gun, put it to his chin, then he drops it, and then he took his gloves off. He put something on his boots, and then he took um, his bulletproof vest off, and then he got on his knees, then he laid down, put his hands behind his back, and then they arrested him. Just like that, put his hand behind his back, and the police responded within a couple minutes and arrested uh, this guy who committed this mass homicide. Uh, like Nick mentioned 198 mass shootings so far in 2022 per the gun violence archive. Um, And that's according to multiple outlets that have cited uh, the gun violence archive in terms of how many mass shootings, which remember is three or more people, I believe um, so far in 2022. And then as before Nick and I were about to start taping churchgoers in Orange County, California, uh, a gunman at Laguna Woods Church killed one person and wounded another five people, all four people that uh, are in critical condition right now. Uh, as of this taping, this happened, like I said, Sunday at a church in Laguna, Wood, Laguna Woods, excuse me, that was hosting a luncheon to honor a former pastor of a Taiwanese congregation. Some churchgoers immediately grabbed the gunman. They managed to detain him, hogtie him. Uh, They took away two handguns that he had on him. The name of the shooter, as of this taping, has not been released. Uh, But I believe his identity is known in terms of he was an Asian man in his 60s who is not believed to have any connections to the area or live in the area or have been a churchgoer there. More details are coming out uh, on on this shooting that just happened as Nick and I are taping now. Um, So please follow your local news or whatever outlets uh, in terms of that story. But it it speaks to the totality of how many people this weekend in three different cities going about normal activities, a basketball game, you know, in Milwaukee, uh, going to a supermarket, you know, in the middle of the day in Buffalo. I went to the supermarket today to buy some stuff. Um, so, you know, it's a little, uh, eerie and then, uh, going to church, you know, and, and, and a shooting happens at a church honoring somebody else that used to be a former pastor at the church. Uh, Nick, I gave a bunch of, you know, statistics there, at least all of the facts and information from what happened in these three different cities. We'd love to get some of your takeaways over the weekend, because you didn't even know about the shooting as we were coming on air. You're like, man, another one. Jeez. And it's, we, we, we keep going back to this. We've done uh, episodes about the profile of shooters uh, that, that have remarkably 
um, done these atrocities. We've had law enforcement officials on the program talk about the Oxford shooting that happened in Michigan. Um, and we just keep getting back to this. And it's a vicious circle of shooting uh, NRA and the, the Republicans shout uh, Second Amendment and then the Democrats shout we need to do something, but they can't even get their own party in order to be able to enact legislation to do something. So nothing happens. And everybody thinks that their tweets have solved the problem and they've done nothing, actually. They've helped none. Uh, it's just been able to express your thoughts about another atrocity and, and violence that's happening in this country that nobody seems to care about because uh, you can get a gun easily accessible, just as the kid in Buffalo mentions in his manifesto that he posted online. I would love to get some of your takeaways from all three shootings. You know, what stood out to you, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing really stands out to me at this point. Um, the Maybe what I guess what does is the fact that as a country, um, you know, the majority of Americans similar to being pro-choice, are also all for some level of improved gun restriction, um, or at least making it harder to access a weapon in the form of background checks. But our Congress, uh, much like in the right to life movement or you know, right to be pro-choice movement, you know, seems to sing a different song from the majority of the country. Um, and we can debate all day long about you know how essentially our Congress is organized to make sure that there are small pockets of people whose voice matters as much as the majority of Americans, which seems foolish in its design, but that's okay. So when you ask me what surprises me, not a goddamn thing, Mike, this is what we do. Baseball, jazz, mass shootings. This is the shit that we do as a country, and we refuse to do anything about it. You know, I was, as you were talking, um, you know, there's an interesting study that came out recently, not study. It was a, it's from, it's from an AP story, but it came out on market watch. Let me read the headline to you. And obviously our listeners, this is, uh, marked from May 12th. 2022, Paul finds one third of adults say they think an effort is afoot to replace native born Americans with new immigrants for electoral purposes. Folks, if you're paying attention, that's called replacement theory. Native born Americans, what does that mean? Well, for the most part, those who answer that question tend to think white people. Now, the thing that's interesting about these shootings is, is racial bias a tie to all of this? We don't know. I'm only going to speak for a moment about what happened in Buffalo. But as I do say, Buffalo, I'm also going to remind you all about what happened in South Carolina with Dylan Roof at a shooting at a church there where multiple African-Americans were murdered by a white gunman. What we saw in Buffalo where the vast majority of those killed were black by a white gunman who also subscribed to a very similar argument that Dylan Roof did, which is that white people feel threatened. And as a result, they have to take action. And if this all sounds similar, that means you're a very reliable listener to Can We Please Talk podcast because we've literally had twice on this show, Dr. Stephen Kirtan at University of North Carolina, Charlotte, or Greensboro, I believe, Greensboro, uh, a, a sociologist who in the most recent appearance talked to us about white mass shooters. And what is the common thread that shows up there as it relates to ego, especially to white male shooters? Now, again, this is not a matter of whether racial bias is playing a role in these mass shootings, but it is very alarming when we look at that polling data, but also what we see seems to be a recurring event. Now, Mike, you said something at the very end about the Buffalo shooter that should stand out to all of us. And the eyewitness said this too. Guy comes out. We know this person's guilty. 
just by what this person's wearing in terms of this paramilitary garb. And who knows how you're able to order all these things in this country. And nobody tracks that shit. Walks out, just starts disrobing, and then just gets, you know, gets the cuff slapped on him and casually put into the police wagon. Tell me the non-white shooter who has that privilege. Because I can point to you a 12-year-old in Cleveland who didn't have it with a toy gun. A gentleman in a Walmart playing with a toy gun didn't have that privilege. But this shooter, similar to Dylan Roof, the only difference, of course, Dylan Roof got some Burger King. My man just got the cuff slapped on him and back into the police wagon. Find the common thread here when it comes to mass shooters in this country. So when you ask me what's different, not a damn thing. And it just it's just the ire for me that just continues to rise for something that is the national that is truly the national pastime in the 20th century in the United States of America. You know, it's um I, I don't I don't have any retorts or comebacks, man. Like it's I mentioned it before about this vicious cycle that we continue to find ourselves in. Um we've seen congressional people on the right and left, you know, tweeting out thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. It's always thoughts and prayers. Um, it's never any type of, and, and I'm not looking for action on Twitter. I'm looking for action in the halls of Congress. I'm looking for action at the state and local levels. I'm, I'm, you know, again, and this is New York, you know, where you don't expect that. I, I wanted to read something from a friend of the program, Kim Whaley, who's a Buffalo native, uh, she's been on the pod, obviously, a few times. She's a former U.S. assistant attorney. And she, like I mentioned, the Buffalo native, like this is near and dear to her heart. You know, she shopped. She used to shop at at, uh, at Tops, the supermarket there. Um, and she was, you know, beside herself and, and rightfully so. You know, I mean, this is her town, her community. Um, she she tweeted out the following. Let me let me give this to you here. At least eight killed in a shooting at Buffalo grocery store. I grew up in Buffalo. I went to Tops for groceries. Guns didn't worry us. Where's the pro-life lobby now? Pro-life being in air quotes. Uh, Let's balance gun ownership against life. Isn't there a place for reasonable pro-life gun laws? I mean, she echoed exactly the way I feel because we've seen this now from different commentators on, you know, as we saw the draft uh, opinion of Justice Alito and Roe v. Wade potentially being overturned. And we've seen people say, well, okay, abortion gets into this pro-life, pro-choice, but as soon as that person comes into this world, you don't care about them. So are you really pro-life, right? We get into this circular argument about this. And this is a, a perfect example, right? And all three shootings, again, different, different motives, different one's a group shooting. Another one is you know, an Asian man going to a Taiwanese church. We have no idea the connections to that. But the one Saturday in Buffalo is the one that will come and go in this news cycle because we've seen it before. You mentioned Dylan Roof in South Carolina. We've seen this before. We've seen these hateful acts of these uh, folks that are white supremacists, right? That lean in that direction in terms of the vitriol they have towards black and brown. And then they carry it out and execute it and, and they live stream. It. This is the second shooting that has happened on Twitch live stream that hasn't been flagged or caught within, you know, minutes. And, and the shooter's live streaming it for the couple minutes that he's there. I don't know Twitch's protocols. Actually, I wanted to play a, a clip from the local CBS affiliate up there. They did actually comment on because uh, they reached out to Twitch for comment and, and listen to what Twitch said about all of this. 
Twitch, the service he was live streaming on, has removed the suspect's channel, and in a statement, a spokesperson says, We are devastated to hear about the shooting that took place this afternoon in Buffalo, New York. Our hearts go out to the community impacted by this tragedy. Twitch has a zero-tolerance policy against violence of any kind and works swiftly to respond to all incidents. The user has been indefinitely suspended from our service, and we are taking all appropriate action, including monitoring for any accounts rebroadcasting this content. See, the problem I have is is that um, I, I I don't care about Twitch. Like, I don't care about Twitch. Like, Twitch is not the reason why this guy was able to get a gun, right? I saw a Fox News segment with John Scott, a former guy who I used to work with on, on Fox News Live. And he had a sheriff of a town that I think is neighboring one of the towns of one of these shootings that happened over the weekend. And one of his questions was along the lines of, uh, do you think video games and the way we've become desensitized to violence has played a role? And I'm like, John, 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 no one walked in there with an Xbox controller shooting up a supermarket. They walked in there with an AR-15, my friend. Like, this is not that hard. And if I was in the in the truck, in his ear, I would have been like, that is one of the dumbest questions. Who wrote that for you? Because there's no way you wrote that on your own. Um, so I, I heard that and I, I was going to play it, but I, you know, I don't even want to give that attention because the media is doing a, a terrible job with this right now. You know, for years, Fox used to kill Obama about not being able to say radical Islamic terrorist, right? Do you remember that, Nick? For years. This happened where they, he, he won't say it. He won't say it. It was in every segment. The talking points were passed down across all the studio shows. Well, now we're here where there's another white homegrown terrorist who was able to get a gun come across state lines. Although I think he may have lived in New York or in Pennsylvania. I'm not sure where he actually lived. But again, easily getting a gun, Kevlar, vest, helmet. You heard the eyewitness account from that person. I mean, and just tactical gear live stream it, throw it on, shoot black and brown. I mean, I have nothing else to say because it, it's it, it, it's a sad indictment of where we are as a country. But yeah, it is, it, it's sad. Like you hear it in our voice. We, we've done so many different over the course of the two and a half years or two years, you and I have been doing this show around those same times. We've had shootings that have happened in New York. We've had shootings that have happened in Michigan, the one in Atlanta, where we had Ellie Honig on the program. We had the one in Colorado. I mean, we have covered this at nauseum here and it makes you reflect and look back and say, man, this is never going to change. It's just wash, rinse, repeat. Nothing is going to come of this. This will hit the news cycle for a couple of days. You'll find out places where you can donate to the, to the victims, families, et cetera, et cetera, in Buffalo. And then that's it. And then next year it'll be Buffalo strong and this and that. And we, you know, we do the hashtags and, and, and that's it. And nobody cares. And it's, it's, it's really sad. It, it is really sad. All right. Well, we come back after the break. We're going to be talking with, like I mentioned, Natalie Fami. A, a fantastic reporter over at WKBW ABC7 in Buffalo. She joins us here on the Can We Please Talk podcast after the break. Nick, today's episode of the program is presented by the good folks at Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens, Nick, what do you know about the good stuff that they're making over there at Athletic Greens? It's incredible stuff. Um, 
I'm talking about this on the show before. <laughs> my my breakfast typically now is a protein shake. You know, just blender bottle, throw your stuff in there, shake it up, coffee, and I'm I'm good. And it's helping me a lot health wise. Athletic Greens lets me get to do that. You know, focusing on greens, just being a, a more protein. Um, for anyone that's looking to do any meal replacement or just kind of boost your energy, but do it in a healthy way. You know, cut carbs and you know make healthier choices. Athletic Greens is fantastic. I love that you just said that, Nick, because one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients. It supports your gut health, your, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All of these things are included with Athletic Greens. Listen, right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water, just like Nick said, every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it real easy, Athletic Greens is giving listeners of the Can We Please Talk podcast a free, Nick, free. I know that's your favorite number. A free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, five free travel packs with your first purchase. Let me say that again. Five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash emerging or just go into our show notes page. You'll see the link right there. Athleticgreens.com backslash emerging. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, like we mentioned, Natalie Fami is a fantastic reporter over at WKBW ABC7 in Buffalo. She joins us here on the Can We Please Talk podcast. Natalie, Mike Leon, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us today. Of course, I'm happy to. Natalie, you know, I reached out to you and I was telling you off air a little bit about, you know, the purpose of this show and how many journalists and correspondents, you know, we, we have on the show whenever there's some type of tragedy that happens in the local areas, we want to have somebody on that can really explain from the local angle. So for our audience that maybe is not caught up with this or they're not caught up to speed on the latest of what's happening in relation to the shooting, and obviously the gunman has been arrested and, and, and he's awaiting trial now, uh, you're on the ground covering this. What's the latest uh, details that you can share about the incident? Um, I think the latest detail, I mean, it's still a very active scene. Investigation is still ongoing. Um, last night, the names of all the victims were released. So I think that's kind of the latest and where we're at right now with the investigation and everything going on. You know, I wanted to ask you, um, you obviously uh, were interviewing a lot of people that were in the area or at least maybe shopping at the grocery store at the time, et cetera, et cetera. I've been to Buffalo a couple of times for some Bills games, funny enough, but for people not familiar with the area, with the supermarket chain, the community, can you tell us a little bit about the surrounding area, and and specifically now that law enforcement is treating this as a hate crime, and we've seen the racial element that has played out with this, why would the shooter choose this particular area? Yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely a highly populated black community, I would say, um, and. I think a lot of people in that community are people who are walking to the grocery store, taking a bus to the grocery store. So really it's like the place that they can go without having to go too far or anything like that. Um, and a lot of the people who I spoke with are actually people who grew up in the area. So this is like where they were as a child. It's where they are now. They know everybody there. 
they're neighborly with everyone there. So it's just a community kind of where everyone knows everyone. They grow, they grew up there. One lady told me, you know, Jefferson, where the grocery store is, she said, that's where I used to play. People were always walking up and down the streets on Jefferson. And now for something like this to happen, she just can't imagine it. Yeah, it's awful. Um, you know, I hate saying thoughts and prayers, man, because it feels like we do this all the time with these, but the thoughts and prayers to everybody out there um, that's affected by this. Natalie, you know, um, what's been something in terms of covering this story so far that maybe has caught your eye in either direction in terms of, you know, uh, a dim light in this awful, senseless tragedy, maybe something that's flown under the radar that's being missed by the national and local teams. I, I mentioned you talk with so many residents and folks in the area that day. I, I heard something about Aaron Salter, the police officer, who, a former police officer who's the security guard at the supermarket that responded. What's a story like that that you can share that maybe hasn't caught the eye of anybody, you know, from a national or even local perspective? I think a story that, you know, I covered yesterday, but not a lot of people are covering it. It's no matter what, this community is sticking together. Other people are stepping up to help the community. I think today there's more and more events going on to either help people get groceries, to raise money for the victims of families. I think something that people don't realize about Buffalo, it's nicknamed the city of good neighbors, but it really is in true Buffalo fashion. Everyone is coming together and everyone is trying to help each other. So I just think that's something that's unique to this community because no matter what happens, everyone's going to be there for each other. That's great to hear. Um, you obviously now live in the area. You attended a college, you know, in the nearby, not too far away at Syracuse. Uh, as somebody who is living and working in it, how do you think this community heals? You mentioned about the neighborly aspect, but when you're talking to these residents that live there, have you heard when are we going to have some type of legislative action at government levels to come to combat access to guns? Uh, is it maybe the eventual trial of this this murderer? Is it something like that that will bring the community together to heal? Like, what would you uh, tell our audience that th the community will eventually heal over this because of X, Y, Z? You know, I wish I could say that the community is going to heal quickly. If there's like that one thing that I can pinpoint that's going to help them heal, but it's really the people who I spoke with are like, this is going to stick with us for a long, long time. A lot of people are saying they don't ever see themselves going back to that grocery store again. Um, you know, I think the fact that he drove in from multiple hours away to specifically target this community is something that is really impacting a lot of people and something that's making this even more devastating because he was particularly trying, allegedly trying to target um, the specific community. So I think right now, I mean, they're going to stick together and they're all going to be there for each other, but I just don't see this being something that the community moves on from even a year from now. Can you, you know, I, I just want to follow up on that because now, as you were saying that, I'm thinking of, you know, I live here in the Miami area near the Surfside uh, condo collapse that happened last year. And we had a, a journalist that actually lives in Surfside on the program. And we talked about this community effect, but then you see national media coming in, covering it like the, the area around it now is, you know, bombarded with not only law enforcement people at the scene investigating this, but also journalists that are covering it for different outlets. What is that like uh, to the outsider, somebody that's maybe watching it at home, thinking about the area? And you know this area. Maybe it's not highly trafficked area. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Um, what, what, what can you share about 
what that experience has been like covering something like this that has reached the national levels that's really impacting the local. Yeah, it's definitely weird to see all the national crews there. I mean, there's just like so many cameras around all the time. I think uh, for some community members, you know, some of them are like, good, like we're talking about this injustice. We're talking about the alleged hate crime and racism that this might have stemmed from. But I think for other community members, they're like, these people aren't part of our community and now they're here. What are they doing for us? Kind of. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword here where some community members are like, this is good. We're talking about it, but others are like, why are you here? Speaking of good, um, what are some ways that people may be listening to this show, they're tuning in now, or they've seen this across national media. Uh, what are some ways that they can help the community? I know ABC seven is, is pointing people to different services that will help the community, but what, what are some ways that you would recommend for people listening to this if they want to help the people affected by this tragedy? Well, there is a verified GoFundMe page that has links to help families of the victims. Um, there's a few other links on that GoFundMe page, but yeah, if you just look up verified GoFundMe page for the Buffalo mass shooting, um, and I believe that's on our website as well. And then um, Buffalo Creek Academy, if you go to their website, they are taking donations to buy groceries and deliver them to people who maybe can't get to a grocery store further away, who don't have a car, things like that. And if you're in the area um, on East Ferry Street, the Buffalo Community Fridge is taking donations all week, grocery donations, produce, um, even things like baby food, anything that any family might need who now can't really go to a grocery store because their main source is shut down. That's great to hear. And we'll have a link in our show notes uh, to some of the places that Natalie just mentioned there. Natalie, before I let you go, and I appreciate the time and, and coming on the program, um, if you could leave our audience with one final thought about this entire situation, from your perspective, as, as a reporter covering it, talking to everybody, the emotions of this, uh, what would that final thought be about this? Um, I would say from a reporter perspective, it's definitely it's difficult to compart to like, it's difficult to put those emotions in one box and talk to people in another box. Cause it's emotional when you're talking to people in the community who are really hurting from this and are devastated and it's emotional for you as well. But I think the biggest takeaway is when tragedies like this happen, the community really does stick together. And although it took a tragedy uh, to see this, it is amazing to see that the community is going to come together and prevail no matter what. That's great to hear. Um, Natalie Fami, like I mentioned, uh, ABC7 up in Buffalo. You can check out all her work. Uh, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today. I truly appreciate it. Continued success to you. And please stay safe. Thank you. Nick, today's sponsor of the program is EJ Gift Cards. EJGiftCards.com is the easiest way to buy and sell gift cards. You need to buy a last minute present for a friend or a family member. Go to EJGiftCards.com because they have hundreds of brands to choose from, from food options like Panera, Red Lobster, Olive Garden, apparel like Forever 21, Gap, Nordstrom's and more. And what makes EJ gift cards amazing is, Nick, let me ask you a question. You ever get a gift card from someone to a store that you know you're not going to shop there? Oh, all the time. <laughs> and, and then you can't do anything about it. You're stuck, right? That's exactly yeah, so you take that gift card, Nick, right now. Go to ejgiftcards.com, 
Enter in the gift card numbers, the dollar value, you get an offer in seconds to buy the gift card. How easy is that? Come on, it's that simple. That's that's awesome. Right? I'm trying to get rid of some of these gift cards. It's great. <laughs> Head to our show notes page right now. You'll see a link there for ejgiftcards.com. You can get offers, discounts, and more on buying and selling gift cards today. Head to our show notes page, ejgiftcards.com. All right, Nick. Uh, I mentioned it before we can't went to break. Uh, what is behind the shortage of baby formula that is happening right now all across the country? America is having a huge baby formula shortage uh, that went from a minor inconvenience to now a full-blown national crisis where the uh, Biden administration has set up a site, hhs.gov backslash formula, where they're trying to help people. Uh, in terms of finding out what stores have formula availability, how they can get more mass produce. Many states, including Texas and Tennessee, uh, more than half of the formula sold out in those stores. Nationwide, 40% of baby formula is out of stock, a 20-fold increase since the first half of 2021. Uh, Parents have started to stockpile formula. Retailers such as Walgreens, CVS, Target have all moved to limited purchases. Take a listen to what is happening uh, as summarized over at the good folks at CNBC. For parents across the country. It's scary not knowing if you're going to be able to feed your kid. The fear is very real when they see store shelves that look like this. A couple stores we've been in we have not had it and we've had to go to the next location. But the baby formula crisis didn't happen overnight. Pandemic-related supply chain issues last year, coupled with a voluntary recall this year by one of the largest producers, packed the final punch. Abbott Nutrition pulled several of its major brands and shut down a factory after concerns over bacterial infections reported in four infants. With just two other major producers, it's been tough to pick up the slack. What we're going through right now is surreal. We should not be in a situation where we are questioning, is there enough food in this country to feed babies? Well said right there. I couldn't agree more on that. Um, Derek Thompson over at The Atlantic wrote a fantastic piece about all of this and the different steps, the three factors that are driving the baby formula shortage from like that piece mentioned bacteria, uh, obviously what happened with COVID and a plant shutting down and then a trade policy issue that is leading us to here. Uh, I just want to quickly summarize what he said, though, in that piece. You could check it out, theatlantic.com. The demand for formula surged as parents hoarded in 2020. Obviously, you know what happened with the pandemic. Nobody be able to go outside. Uh, you know, essential workers, like grocery store employees, you know, cutting back hours, et cetera, et cetera. Stores were closing, so people started to hoard. Then demand fell, leading suppliers to cut back production through 2021. And now, With more new mothers demanding more formula in 2022, orders are surging faster than the supply is recovering. Um, One of the reasons why I wanted to touch upon this is because I literally just bought formula the other day for my six month old, right? As we're introducing cereal and we're about to go on a trip and my wife is, you know, is breastfeeding and producing, but still want to have some formula to be able to mix that in with the cereal. And, you know, you go into a target and you see that the shelves are, are, are limited stock. And she's a part of, you know, uh, support groups on Facebook. One of the only good things about Facebook support groups that you can uh, check out all of this. And I see these harrowing stories of mothers in different cities that are all part of this group that are really, you know, if anybody can find XYZ from this brand, my baby prefers this brand, 
can you please mail it here, et cetera, et cetera. And, and her and I were able to donate to a family because it, you know, to be able to feed your kid is, is essential folks. I mean, I'm, I'm cracking a, a smile right here as I'm saying that, but if you don't know that uh, you're an idiot uh, because you need to feed your kids and some kids can't get breastfed, right? Some mothers don't produce. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to get into the, Nick, you live adjacent to a doctor. I'm not going to get into the ways that women are able to feed children because it's a miracle that they're able to do any of that. But if they can't do that, and because of the fact that they have to rush back to work because of, uh, you know, the, the, help me out here, you know, the, uh, the parental leave, excuse me, in this country being so terrible for mothers, un- unlike what it is in Europe, where you get almost a year off, um, they can't, you know, produce as much. And we're going to get into uh, Bette Midler's stupid tweet in a bit. But when you heard about this shortage, I know your wife obviously works w- with kids as a doctor. Like, what were some of the th- uh, takeaways from you in this very household and, and, and everything that she works around that industry? And what were some of her views? Yeah, I mean, for us, you know, our youngest now is, is two years old. Um, so, you know, both kids, we did not, you, we did not, you know, need formula for, um, but, you know, from a medical standpoint, this is a crisis, you know, um, you know, the reasons why, you know, a, a mother breastfeeds or bottle feeds that that, I agree with you. That's a larger conversation. I, my wife wasn't doing something right now. I probably grab her and put on the mic to talk about this. What I can say as a parent, uh, is that it, this is a reality. You know, like sometimes one option is not, you know, favorable over the other. Um, and in that case, you've got to have access to the formula. You know, for me personally, what something, the first thing that came to me was, you know, where is this shortage coming from? Um, and something it's important to know, and this is actually from the Wall Street Journal, you know, in an editorial from recently. Um, you know, one of the things that plays a role here is, you know, is access. Um, you know, something that's stunning to note is that, you know, when you look at contracts, you know, through the, um, you know, through welfare programs, you know, that are tar- that specifically help, you know, families in need, you know, those programs are based on states where states have exclusive contracts with baby formula producers. So Abbott Labs, who's been having this issue uh, with the safety situation they've been running into, you know, they've had to have massive recalls and they're having to kind of slow down production. As a result, that's causing this to some extent. Um when you start to pay attention to that, you start to, let me stop here. Regardless of the why here, <laughs> the reality is that not everyone is able to regularly access formula. There is a shortage. We're rationing at this point. We're rationing food for babies in one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest country on the face of the planet. That in and of itself should be the most alarming thing here. Yeah. You know, another great piece on the Atlantic, uh, to shout them out again, Amanda Mole, she wrote a piece that somebody forwarded to me. And, and the piece is titled, We've Never Been Good at Feeding Babies. America's Current Crisis Has Been in the Works for Decades. I highly recommend this piece. She really takes you into everything that I mentioned, right? Uh, from the women not being able to produce, to access to some of the stuff like you mentioned, to also what happens with parental leave for the for the mothers who are breastfeeding and have to go back to work and they're not producing as much when they're at work, you know, and, and have to like pump to be able to store breast milk. Uh, right now in our show notes page, one of the things that I did want to do was there's a link from a CBS News article that I read recently about how should parents who can't find formula 
feed their babies and it has different steps uh there's uh, medical advice there from pediatric doctors uh there's a breast milk bank uh, links that you can actually reach out to uh how you can connect on social media like i mentioned before the story about my wife being on a support group on facebook so all of that is available right now in our show notes page click on that link if you are a mother that's out there uh looking for you know your brand the formula you're, you're trying to understand what is going on with this shortage we actually did reach out to somebody at infamil to come on the program to kind of discuss this more so in the coming weeks hopefully we have somebody on that is very well versed in this as this shortage continues and whatever the Biden administration can do to kind of curtail it we'll find out um as always for this podcast video you want to watch our beautiful faces on youtube we would encourage you to come on over to YouTube. Uh, just type in, can we please talk and check us out. All of our interviews are up there on our YouTube channel, audio podcast platforms. Please leave us a five-star review and comment, please. It helps with the algorithm and puts us in your recommended. Um, ACAST, we can't do it without the support from our hosting platform, ACAST. Thank you to everything they do over at ACAST. In the coming weeks, we got some more great episodes and we're going to try to stay more in this shooting realm unfortunately because this is very fresh and we have reached out to some other correspondents not only locally in buffalo but some other law enforcement officials to come on the program and discuss this so check out those episodes in the coming weeks as always i am mike leon on behalf of formula feeding mothers go bleep yourself bet midler i'm nick severi <laughs> that's right we didn't even get into bet uh, you know what no we're no time for bet uh, we'll see everybody next time